Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Good morning, good morning. Yes, you may be seated. My name is Chaplain Matt Runnels from 2nd Brigade. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you have been here for a while, welcome. And Merry Christmas to you. And please turn with me to Jonah, chapter 3. If you were here last week, you heard Brother Dan's message, and one of his points is that that God continually tries to align our hearts with his will. Have you ever asked yourself, are you doing what God wants you to do? Have you ever said that prayer, please God, show me the right decisions. Please, I really don't want to mess up. Or, or maybe if you uh, know of an old uh, musical, The Fiddler on the Roof, and the father sings, If I was a rich man. All my life would be different, right? I will tell you, We serve a God who is incredibly patient with our ignorance. And I was thinking as I was driving up here from Waikiki, my wife and I, we've been teaching a marriage training event all weekend, and actually Dana is actually finishing the lessons this morning. She is truly a wonderful woman. And I was thinking about that that reality that God is a patient God with our ignorance, and that could have been our whole point. But again, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3. I will be reading from the Revised Standard Version. So starting in verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was a a very great city, three days' journey in breadth. Verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he cried, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on a sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 6, Then then tidings reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he made a proclamation and, and published all throughout Nineveh, saying, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. Verse 8, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence which is in his hands. Verse 9, who knows 
God may yet repent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may perish not. And finally, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God repented of the evil which he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Please pray with me. Father God, you truly are our Father, and we live in the world that we do, and sometimes filled with doubt or sometimes filled with questions that we may not believe that there are an answer for. But God, we come here hoping and believing that you are truly the God of compassion and the God of mercy and the God that is ever so faithful to your own promises. And God, though we are filled with distractions in this world, again, Father, I pray that you fill this room, this sanctuary with your presence so that we may grow in a better understanding of how to reach the sinner and to remind us of your great patience with us. And in your son's name do we pray. Amen. Jonah's a fun book to preach from. I mean, it talks about whales. It talks about a whole city repenting. I mean, how amazing is that, right? But one of the, the things that I am growing to realize more and more, that we truly serve an awesome God. And we tend to focus on the circumstances of our life, don't we? And we begin to measure our circumstances, our momentary feelings right now, as a measuring stick of our relationship and our faithfulness to God. Or if things are going well, everything must be aligned with my relationship with God. Have you ever felt that way? Or, wait a minute, how could this have happened to me? Haven't I been doing good things? How could God have allowed this to happen? And as a quick reference, we know that in chapter 1, Jonah was called to God to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, this, these were terrible people. If you want a modern day um, uh, example, I was talking to Brother uh, uh, Glenn about this this morning. It, it would have been kind of like God calling any one of us to go to Russia right now and preach the gospel and truth to them. And Jonah having this thought, well, no, not those people, no way. They're evil, they're mean, they're bullies. I'm going to go my own way. And he runs away, and he thinks he finds shelter in the belly of a boat. A great storm comes, and he realizes this is all my fault. Dump me over the water. And God, even in Jonah's disobedience, provides a measure of safety, which is the whale. A place where Jonah is humbled and comes to a point of repentance. And it's after that where a whale spits him out and we are here in chapter 3. By the way, that actually happened a couple months ago. You can YouTube this, you can Google it. There's a scuba diver in Maine who was like doing something, trying to find lobster, and all of a sudden, 
gets swallowed up by a whale, and then he gets batted down to the and to the beach. Look it up. Just happened a few. It happened this year. Some of y'all are like no way. Google doesn't lie, people. Come on. Have you ever been asked to do something that you were filled with doubt that that's actually what God wanted you to do? Whether or not you're a teenager or a child, go go clean your room. Yes, you got to do this. You're told to do something by your parent, or you just kind of feel God speaking to you. Hey, you should be doing this right now. You need to reach out to this person. You're like, no. But if you're anything like me, you need a constant dose of humility. Jonah was humbled. We're going to come to our first point here because what we have seen with our reading of chapter 3 is despite Jonah running away from God, God still used Jonah to be his messenger. So our first point is this. Even with disobedience, God's plan still unfolds. You see, beloved, I think we have come to a state in our culture where we put expectations on our own self, even though we proclaim the cross, the need for repentance, sin, and so forth. We've come to a part in our culture today in the church where you still need to be perfect. And if there's any doubt of your Christian perfection, nope, there's no way that God can use me. There's no way that a holy, righteous, and perfect God has a plan for me to do good things for Him. We can go through the entire book, Old Testament and New Testament, and see countless examples of when God's people were disobedient And God the Father uses that time to humble his people to a place of repentance and his glory is still known. We have Peter denying his relationship with Christ coming to a point of repentance and becomes the rock of the church. We have the king of Isaiah's time where the prophet comes to him Ask God for anything. And the king says, no, I will not put him to the test. And that is where we receive the promise that one day a virgin will be born. One day a virgin will conceive the Messiah and our Savior would be born. Even with disobedience, God's plan still unfolds. I'm going to bring this to home, maybe even in our own relationships when we were unfaithful to our wives or to our husbands. How in the world could God redeem my marriage because of my unfaithfulness? Beloved, it takes a faithful God. It takes our God who countlessly redeems our unfaithfulness. That is the beauty of our Savior. We read this morning, we heard Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not by our own works. It is through the workmanship of Christ. 
I think there's a lot of Jonas in our congregation today. I think there's a lot of Jonas in our church. Well, we get these little feelings of the Spirit saying, hey, I really know I need to be doing this right now. And we provide a gentle pushback. I don't really feel like it. I'll give you an example. I'm a pretty transparent guy. Here I am. I don't have my cell phone with me. It, it died and I can't recharge it because it got some, some water damage. So I'm coming up and like I shared with you all, we've been teaching this, this marriage conference all weekend and, and I, I, I'm still called to preach this morning and so I'm rushing up. I kind of woke up late coming from the hotel and I see this homeless man whose cart was overturned in the middle of the highway on the street down in Waikiki. And it was, it was right after a turn, and I made the turn, and I saw him, and the very first thing that came to my mind was pull over and help him. And my second thought was, no, I don't have the time. And immediately I passed that man, and I thought, my goodness, God forgive me. You see, there are countless times where I believe that God is telling us to serve Him by serving His people in small ways. Yes, Jonah was called to go to a great city. Which, by the way, it's kind of interesting how it says, it makes the point, it makes the point that it would take three days to go from one end to the other. But just as he went to the first day of journey, there was already the movement of repentance. Yeah. Beloved, I'm here to tell you that if you ever felt like God could not use you because of something in your life, that is guilt from Satan. Every single one here has a wonderful plan that God has provisioned and foreordained to do and to serve. And that is an awesome thing. Now you may not believe that. And you may still have some doubt. But beloved, that's what you pray for. And there could be some friction between you and your spouse. Or maybe you and your kids. You and other family members. Maybe you and your neighbor. That you have this feeling. You have this weight of, man, I really feel called to serve and minister and evangelize to them in some way. Maybe you and your unit, and you're just unsure of how to do that. Understand that even though we might have been disobedient at some times in our life, God can still redeem you through repentance. And if there are those moments, have you come to the cross with those aspects? with those things that you know that you still carry guilt for and have repented to the Lord. I say this because of point two. God's message applies to anyone. Therefore, we should live with humble boldness. If you look here, and it took, even though, again, it was supposed to take Jonah three days to cross the city, by day one, there was already the movement of repentance. And let's look at this. The message was, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall, shall fall, be overthrown. 
The people put sackcloth. And if you look at the order of the text, it's kind of, it's kind of confusing in a way. Because in verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God. Notice who that. Notice how they are, are stating who they believed in. Did they believe in Jonah? They might have. But who does the text say that they believed in? God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Then in verse 6, this, re this reached to the king. And for several verses later, it was the king who made the proclamation. Why would, he, why would the king make a proclamation after the people were already executing what his proclamation would be. Does that make sense? It's kind of weird. And I think, honestly, the king probably made the proclamation. But the reason why they identify the people doing it is because of the genuineness, uh, the severity of their sin. They came to a point of realizing the severity of their sin and it's emphasizing the personal obedience of the repentance of the individual people. God's message applies to anyone, therefore we should live with a humbled boldness. This message of a coming destruction resonated with the least of the people there and to the very king. Without Jonah having to even speak to the king. You see, I think, again, if you're anything like me, if I have a belief that God has called me to do something, I do my own running estimates, my own MDMP, my own thought process of how is this going to unfold and are people still going to like me? Instead of realizing this is the message that God has called me to deliver. The number one mental diagnosis in recent years has been anxiety. And how anxiety has moved its tentacles through almost every single facet. Matter of fact, a recent study has shown that one of the, one of the reasons why young adults are getting married later is because they're too anxious to get married and they believe that they're going to fail whoever they make this commitment to. You look at anxiety, you look at fear and isolation that many people may be feeling, and it is easy to think that even if God has given us a clear message, just like how he did with Jonah, just like how he did with me this morning with that homeless man, though we can still be consumed with the angst of how this is all going to come apart. Again, with our reading in Ephesians, I want to highlight one aspect of it. Many of y'all know this verse in Ephesians 2.10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, for good, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to read that again. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared 
beforehand that we should walk in them. These good works that God has prepared, from this little verse, what extent was our effort in making them good? Nothing. There is no point in the Bible does it say everything falls on you. At no point does it say you have to be the best speaker. The Apostle Paul, even Moses, had a stammering problem. One of my biggest doubts when I felt that I was being called into ministry, and I did not even know what ministry it was. It was two things. One, I used to stammer. I, I, I hate public speaking, to be honest with you. Getting in front of people, oh my gosh. I'm a nervous wreck right now. I may not show it, but it's like I don't like to do it at all. I had a stammering problem, and even now I say everything in my head first before I speak it. Because my mind works faster than my mouth. And two, I didn't follow any sports. So what would I talk to soldiers about? And the longer I proclaimed the calling that God had on my heart, the longer I grew restless, the longer I grew sleepless, the longer I grew unhappy, and the longer I grew in my disobedience. And yet, it came to a head where I simply prayed, God, if you want me to do this, make me faithful to it and pave the way. God's message applies to anyone. Therefore, we should live with humbled boldness. Beloved, if you feel like you have a calling on your life, the book of Philippians says this, live the life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Live it worthy. Be faithful to that. If you have doubt, if you if you have these passions in your heart, beloved, God gave you those passions for a reason. If you have these thoughts of, well, maybe maybe this could work out. You know, I kind of feel like maybe we should be getting out of the military and doing this, or maybe we should be staying in the military, or maybe, you know, we should pursue this career track, this, that, and the other. Pursue it! God is continually faithful to be with his people. And he has called us to be faithful to his calling and what he has called us to do. That should not overwhelm us, however. It should give us great confidence that whatever God has called us, he is preparing us either in mid-flight or already in the past. An entire city repents on perhaps the shortest sermon ever given. It's because God's message applies to the people in your life, for your life, at the time that they are present in your life. Whether you are a squad leader, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are a career mom, whether you are a commander of your unit, it does not matter your position and title. Have moments in your day where you can self-reflect, meditate, and pray of what God is calling you to say and do 
with those around you. You know, we do not take light the fact that we call our chapel Schofield Community Chapel. That's why we offer movie nights for the community. That's why we have supported and, and take ownership of the Awana program to be embedded and be enriched. In the coming months, we're actually going to be doing a homeless drive of collecting small parcels of things to be able to serve and to love on the homeless here in Hawaii. But without a doubt, God is calling you to do something. And that message comes from His power, from His faithfulness, in His steadfastness. Not from perhaps even our own. Here's a, ver here's a third point. God always remembers His promises. When I felt called to go into the, to the ministry, I was working at a retail management job. I very quickly prayed, God, please do not let retail be your ultimate plan for your glory. Because people be coming in here the day before Christmas, asking why we don't have anything, and I politely tell them it's the day before Christmas. And it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay. Yeah, see? Okay. Y'all musical. Okay. <laughs> God called me to be in the ministry, but he gave me a job to financially pay for my master's degree without having to take any debt. And I moved to Western Kentucky. Anybody from Western Kentucky? When people say Western Kentucky, they only think of one place, and that's Paducah. Meanwhile, there's like all the other three-fourths of the state that nobody really knows about, unless you're from those. And I moved to a place called Mayfield, Kentucky. Mayfield. It sounds like it's country because it is country. And I grew into a spout of slight depression and loneliness because I didn't know anybody there. Have you ever been to a place where you didn't know anybody? Like, I don't know, move to a new place and you're like, I have no friends. And I prayed several times, Lord, if you have called me to do this, bless me with companions. And in the next few weeks, God blessed me with a group of core individuals. And, and I was part of the Arowana program, actually. And I still keep in touch with those kids who are now grown and married and so forth. The point is, if God has placed you in a place, he has made a promise to you already that he's already there. God does not forget His promises. Again, we live in a culture where promises are constantly bro broken. And you know what is my first lesson that I teach to a new officer or a new NCO? Never say to your soldier that you're going to do something if you have any shred of doubt that you cannot do it. Because the moment that you break that trust in today's times, it is twice as hard to gain that trust back. We're living in a state where promises and commitment and faithfulness are constantly broken. Tell me one politician you look up to. Like, that's my hero. We live in a day where we may doubt God could even be faithful to his promises. And yet, have you noticed that the past several weeks 
We have sung the same song every single week. Now, if we, say, if we preach the same sermon every single week, y'all would be like, yo, these people need to get fired. But that song resonates to us. You are faithful. Your faithfulness, your promises are nothing but yes and amen. Because this whole lesson is how do we reach the sinner, which includes ourselves. And God is faithful to be with you in that moment when you're having a tough conversation with somebody. And I tell you, I have been so enriched and so encouraged lately with our small group when I'm hearing that some of the couples, some of the soldiers are hearing about how they're having all these spirit-driven conversations with people. How, how does your marriage work again? But God. How, how did you forgive that person? Brothers and sisters, I give our congregation but one challenge. To constantly seek the throne through prayer. Asking God to give us opportunities to be his witness and for us to be faithful in those moments. Without a doubt, that takes great courage because you know that the very moment that you start praying, there's going to be that moment. <laughs> the number one reason why a soldier does not want to go to the NCO board is because they think they are not ready to be a leader. Beloved, there is no board for you to go to as a Christian. It takes faith in Christ, repentance of our sins, and the ultimate belief that Jesus Christ does not measure you by your own circumstances, but His great love for you. Because how deep is the Father's love for us? is vast beyond measure. And he has put us in places where we can seek the throne in great confidence to be that witness, to be faithful. And if you need prayer this morning, do not hesitate to ask. Do not hesitate to reach out. If you need prayer for your relationship, for your family, for Maybe not your immediate family, but your extended. We have a group of people who pray after every single sermon. Right down this hall that they gather and they pray for one another. And in that, join me in prayer as we close. Father God, you are truly a wonderful God in times, Lord. We can be so overwhelmed with the what-whats and the what-ifs and the should-haves. And Lord, we can, we can be so anxious about who likes us, who doesn't like us. We can be anxious of the uncomfortable moments. But Lord, I pray that you reveal yourself in a powerful way, that you are here. That just as you have been faithful to your people, for generations, for thousands of years, you have been steadfast and loyal for those who come to you. 
and those who you call your people. And Lord, I pray that you give us that confidence today. That God, you are ever present in our lives, ever present in our moments, and continue to be and will promise to be forever. And it is in your son's name do we pray. Amen.